Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of having John Trotter with us. John believes that leadership is not about you. It is more about serving and supporting students and a variety of different stakeholders in the community. For the last decade, John has been a perpetual learner and leader, enjoying a meaningful career as a teacher and most recently an administrator. In his relatively short but fulfilling career, John has been able to connect with students and encourage them to be lifelong learners with a positive outlook on their educational journey. He has also been fortunate to lead, collaborate with, and learn from many dedicated and passionate colleagues. John is grateful for the many wonderful and unique opportunities that the world of education has provided him with. He is an advocate for over-communicating, following up, and being organized and prepared while still maintaining flexibility. Mentoring students and new teachers is one of his greatest passions. John is most appreciative of his loving wife and family for their unconditional love and unwavering support. So welcome, John Trotta. How are you? I'm doing great, Lily. Thank you for having me on your show. I so, appreciate it. John, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. As you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership, and we want to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am ready. Awesome. <laughs> so, John, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. So... I was a teacher for nine really, really enjoyable years. And after my first couple of years, I realized how much value that teachers and leaders can add to others. I've always enjoyed helping people, and I just wanted to do it on a larger scale. So for me, it wasn't a very difficult decision to pursue leadership. I was eager to serve students and colleagues and families. So I got my degree in educational leadership, and an opportunity presented itself to become an assistant principal way earlier than I expected, but mm -hmm. that's what I'm currently doing now. How would you describe your leadership style? I would say collaborative and preventative at the same time. Mm. I think the people around you are so important and mm -hmm. have so much valuable information to share. So I try to stay open to what they're sharing, their suggestions and ideas and implement them. But I also try to be preventative by taking time to plan and over communicate and be transparent with people so we're all on the same page and we can prevent any potential issues from coming up. Mm -hmm. I've never heard of a preventative leader, but I get it. Like Benjamin Franklin, an ounce of prevention, prevention. is worth a pound of cure. And that's so exactly. absolutely true. Yeah. So you're a collaborative, preventative leader, and you value others. Can you tell us which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? 
I actually have two. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first quote is from author and professor Thomas Sergiovanni. His quote is, we need leadership that is tough enough to demand a great deal from everyone and leadership that is tender enough to encourage the heart. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah, I agree with it 100%. We need to have high expectations for people and hold them accountable, but Mm -hmm. in a loving and a positive way. I don't think people respond very well when you're too demanding or anything like that. So I think the second part of that quote is so important about encouraging the heart. That's a big one for me. And then the other quote is from an athlete. It's from Derek Jeter. He's made the statement, there may be people who have more talent than you, but there is no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. I just think it's so real. You know, there are going to be people who are smarter than you or more experienced than you. They may have strengths that you don't have, but it's not an excuse for them to outwork you. And it's about action, isn't it? In my opinion, absolutely. (laughs) Right? I mean, we can have all the intentions in the world, but if we're stuck and we don't act, then it doesn't matter how much talent you have. It doesn't matter how many ideas you have. So yeah, that's great. I love that quote. So John, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? I would say humble leaders, servant leaders, just really people who care about others Mm -hmm. and can put their ego and their pride aside. And I just feel that leadership is not all about you. It's about other people. It's about helping people develop and helping them succeed. So just -hmm. people who want to serve others and are in it for the right reasons. As a new leader, how do you check to make sure that you're in it for the right reasons? Like, how do you gauge that? That's a good question. I try to listen Listening is so important, kind of listen to what's being said and what's not being said and just observing a lot. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you can learn a lot just by doing that. I don't have like a specific method of how to gauge it exactly, but just by being observant and just trying to see where people's hearts are. You know, my experience, it's not easy to do, but usually you can get a good sense of it by, again, just being a good listener and observing. We first met during a mastermind group, and I want to say that you're really (laughs) good at listening. Now, one of the things that really connected with me about you that really stood out was that you're a listener, and I think you were the youngest one of the group. (laughs) When you did chime in, you had so much wisdom, and I think it's because you practice listening. Yes, thank you for the kind words. It is something that I do work at. I feel like it's so normal for us to just want to focus on what we have to say to somebody. So in a lot of conversations, what I've heard and have witnessed is a lot of people kind of playing topper. It's like somebody says something, another person says something, and they're almost trying to like top each other. And it doesn't always lead to so much connection and strong communication because they're not really focusing on what the other person is saying. So Yeah, it doesn't really come natural to me, but it's something I'm working on, and I appreciate you recognizing that. Yeah, let me tell you, you do a great job. I mean, I think all of us recognize that. You chimed in, and you gave us a lot of wisdom, and so I'm really thankful to just get to know you and continue to get to know you, and I know that everybody else in the group was as well, so that was cool. So, John, what's the best advice you've ever received? I've received a lot of good advice over the years. There's been so many people who've supported me and have given me great amounts of wisdom. But one that really stands out to me is actually from my grandfather. I just love the old school wisdom and knowledge and words of advice. So when I earned my administrative position, I actually went to see him and he was really proud of me. And I was talking with him. And when I was leaving, he kind of just said, work hard and don't get into arguments. 
And, <laughs> and it sounds so simple, but I think there's so much wisdom in that statement. Mm-hmm. I don't think the importance of work ethic can ever be overstated. Mm-hmm. That's huge in every field. And staying out of arguments is difficult, but mm-hmm. it's essential. As a leader, you deal with so many awesome people, but the relationships can be very, very conditional. If you meet someone's needs, they really love you, but that moment you're unable to meet their needs, they're unhappy. So I think it's hard to not get caught up in the conflict, but Mm -hmm. if you try to just see the best in people and focus on the big picture, you could stay away from those arguments or conflicts. Mm, That is a difficult thing to do. So to focus on the big picture and assume the best in people. Awesome. Now, John, what does it mean to have a good team? And how would you build or sustain one? Team to me is everything. I think even the most efficient and independent people have been provided with a lot of help and support. Mm -hmm. So I like to say no man is an island. I've heard that somewhere before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it somewhere as well. So now I say it. But So a team could just do so much more than an individual can, but I don't think it's ever easy to build a team. I don't think there's a perfect formula for building a team, but I think it's a combination of a good attitude, collaboration, diligence, certainly flexibility, Mm -hmm. and certainly time. It doesn't happen overnight, but Mm -hmm. every team member has strengths and weaknesses, and as they work on it and come together, I think that you can achieve a really, really strong team over time. Mm -hmm. Judging from what you do, I'm assuming that you inherited a team, correct? Yes. And so what was the first thing you did? I mean, I know you're cognizant of the fact that you have to continue to build this, right, to get anything substantial done. But what was one of the first things that you chose to do with your team? I feel like a broken record, but like I said before, just really listen a lot just to learn because Mm -hmm. as I stepped in my new position, I remember at my first admin meeting with you know, the other principals, assistant principals and superintendents, I was just really focusing on, let me observe, let me listen, let me hear what's going on. And again, really only chime in when it's an appropriate time. If somebody asks me something, or if I really feel the need to say something. And just by doing that, I learned so much, you know, besides just listening, observing, just having good conversations. I work with one of the most incredible principals around, just has such a big heart. He offers so much, he had so much value to me. So just any person around me that I can learn from, I try to learn from. I love you know, seeking out mentors. And I was very fortunate because the building I'm an assistant principal in, that's where I was a teacher previous nine years. And mm-hmm. even a lot of the members of the administrative team, I've had some relationships with uh, where they used to be a teacher with me or an assistant principal at my school. And so just so many helpful people around me. I really just tried to learn from them and pay attention to the good examples and some of the bad examples around me. Mm -hmm. You know, working or moving up the ranks in your own school or the homeschool or where you started teaching can be good and bad, right? It depends on the culture. And it seems like you have a good culture. Which school? Polk Street School in the Franklin Square School District. Awesome. So that's a shout out to Polk Street. Absolutely. (laughs) Polk Street is an amazing, amazing place. I've been very fortunate. I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've had and really just the confidence that people have had in me. It's awesome. Okay, great. Can you tell us about a challenge, John, that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? A challenge that I've experienced is kind of interesting because it didn't happen to me personally, but it's affected me personally. So I would just say seeing 
loved ones suffering from diseases, illnesses, and just having some health complications. I mean, even if you turn on the news, I mean, there are so many unfortunate events that happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, personally, I've been fortunate in my life, but there's been so many family members and friends around me who've really experienced a lot of obstacles. And for me, it's just made me so grateful for life. I really don't take any day for granted. I really try to keep an attitude of gratitude because I'm aware of how fortunate I am. And mm-hmm. like I said, I'm very grateful for what I have. Well, John, I know that from the short time that I've gotten to know you, I know that you certainly walk the talk. You always Thanks. speak about your family, your wife, and how much you valued us, even as a team, when we did our mastermind group. So, <laughs> Yeah, same to you, because when I first took the master leadership course, it was just so awesome. I mean, there's not a lot of people, I think, who are really doing this, and There's so many great people have so much to share out there that I'm so grateful for you for having the show because, you know, people hear it and they appreciate it and respect it. And like I said, there's so many experienced guests on there. It's just a privilege to be here. And, you know, thank you for what you're doing because it's really special and it's great for the field of education. It's an honor. Thanks, John. So, John, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped you and the lives of those around you? I think my greatest success has just been being consistent. I don't think I was the best teacher in the world. I don't think I'm currently the best leader or administrator in the world. But I've had a really fun and enjoyable career. I love what I do. I've always had the best interest for my students and the people in the community proud of what I do. I'm able to support kids and families and the whole community really during pivotal times in their life. So Mm -hmm. I would say just being consistent and kind of like I mentioned before, it's a success just that people are confident in me. I'm relatively young and to get this position that I currently have at such a young age has meant a lot to me. And like I said, just really cool that people believe in me. So that to me is, you know, a success. Yeah. And consistency brings success, even through failure, if you're consistent about growth. And I know that you are. We continue to master leadership, right? Because we never arrive. Never. (laughs) Even though some think they arrived. I don't think you really ever could. We're always learning. We're always growing. And that's why that wisdom and that knowledge and that advice Take it, learn from it, grow from it, because we're all works in progress. Right. I heard someone say, when you stop learning and you stop growing, you just die. It's because you're dead. All right. John, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? I would actually have a lot to say Mm -hmm. to somebody in those shoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, I would tell them I'm proud of them for Mm -hmm. caring, you know, and not just being complacent. Someone who's discouraged obviously cares about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Second, I would tell them to read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni, Mm -hmm. which is just a great read. It just talks about different people's personalities on a team. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, I'd let them to know that it's normal to be discouraged and experience frustration. I mean, there's a time for everything. There are seasons in life. There are seasons in leadership. But you're either winning or you're learning. The obstacles and the conflict, they lead to growth. And I think a lot of times we grow more from the struggle than from success. Mm -hmm. So I would tell them, don't be afraid of the conflict. Seek out a a great mentor for advice. Find someone trustworthy that you can vent to and then keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Leadership is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And like you said before, I really don't think anybody figures it all out. Mm -hmm. 
Wow, those are great words of wisdom, John. And this is something I've not heard before. You would tell them I'm proud for caring because the fact that they're discouraged says something about their heart, right? I mean, you don't want them to continue to be discouraged, but it says something about their heart that they do care. And I've not heard that before. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Now, John, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning now? To me, being a perpetual learner is extremely prudent. In my opinion, seeking out wisdom, we've spoke about it a couple times already, it's one of the best things you can do. I would say it's important to learn from everyone and everything because there's so many good and bad examples around us. So, you know, learn from them all. And you did mention that we're either winning or learning, which means that when we're not winning, we're winning, right? Because we're still learning. And I love that because it gives a different perspective to when we face those difficult times. Absolutely. It's it's what your attitude is about something. You know, you can look at something as a loss. I mean, of course, we all lose. But if you look at it as a loss, it's really going to be a loss. And that's probably going to stay with you. But if you look at it as a learning experience, it's not a loss. It's a win. Again, I think that attitude and how you look at it is just so important. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to me that you've had a lot of coaching and a lot of people mentoring you. And you can tell just by the wisdom that oozes out of you. Um, (laughs) Is that something that's important to have? I read a lot. Not that I haven't had great personal mentors, but reading and just being open to that growth and trying to learn from everything has played such a major role. And, you know, then getting back to the, you know, personal mentors, I just don't see how anybody can really be a leader without that support. And, you know, I was fortunate. There are so many mentors that I have that I don't even think of as mentors. Like, you know, my parents, I mean, of course, I think of them as a mentor. But when you get into this world of education and leadership, you know, we almost think like, well, my mentor has to be my principal or this person or that person who's kind of at your level or above or, you know, in the same field. But I've had so many mentors, my parents, just incredible, hardworking people, loving people who've taught me so much. I'm one of five. I have two brothers and two sisters who've mentored me in so many different ways. And just all throughout school, my teachers, my coaches, professors, so many great people. So, mm-hmm. And you mentioned having a mentor or a coach outside of your field. Sometimes that's good because they have a different perspective, right? Yes. And I, I can't forget my best mentor is my wife. She's in the field of education. She's a teacher. You know, so many times at night when we're having dinner, she provides me with so much support and so much advice. And it's just great. Awesome. Okay. So what is it that you're learning now? I would say just being a better listener. It's just something that mm-hmm. we can never really perfect. It's not easy to do. But I think it was Jim Rohn. He said, the more you know, the less you need to speak or, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that, you know, if you don't say anything, you know, everything, nothing like that. But again, just by listening, you take a lot in and you're able to be kind of more in control of situations because you're just absorbing the information and you're not necessarily always spewing it out, but you have it when you need it. Right. And I know that when I'm listening more, and I think part of the reason I started this podcast is because I needed to listen <laughs> we, more we and ask questions. <laughs> I knew that this would help me grow and it certainly has. I also think that listening, really truly listening and being curious about people helps us to be less judgmental. You know, that's a weakness of mine is sometimes where I could tend to get a little judgment or think that my way is going to work. So again, just really listening and taking people's suggestions, then implementing it accordingly is huge. 
All right. So, John, if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? Mm, that's a good one. I think first I would focus on the strengths. What do we have that's going well? We have a tremendous amount of great leaders in this field, great teachers in this field. I mean, the teachers pour so much of themselves into their job that it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. But what I would change is, and a lot of schools do this, but I would put a good focus on relationship building. Mm -hmm. And a lot of schools have the social emotional programs and the character development programs. And of course, all the academic areas, reading, Mm -hmm. Math, social studies are extremely important. So, of course, keep fostering that. But again, just that character development, the relationship building, I don't know how it could be done. It would take a lot of brainstorming, but just find a way to foster strong, healthy relationships because in a lot of cases, when kids graduate high school or college and they're off moving towards their occupation and their job, I think that it's something that they struggle with. And mm -hmm. it's normal. I mean, even people who, quote unquote, have it all figured out, you know, they struggle with it, too. So I think relationships is really, really important. Even financial literacy, I think, is really important. And that can be implemented a little bit better in schools. Mm -hmm. When you teach relationship building and that enthusiasm and self-leadership, you're teaching them a skill that will last a lifetime. So thank you so much for right. that. Now, I know that you're an avid reader. What yes. have you read that our listeners should read and why? All right. There's a lot. You just tell me <laughs> when to stop. because. I, I, okay. Give me the top three. Top three. One I love is Question Behind the Question by John Miller. It's a really quick read. It's a small book. The chapters are very small. But it's basically all about accountability. And he's kind of pushing people to not always ask just why questions, but encouraging them to kind of say, what is my role in the situation or what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one QBQ question behind the question. Mm -hmm. Of course, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. Of course. It's just full of realistic wisdom. I'm going to give you two more. Go ahead. So The Go-Giver, mm -hmm. it's by Bob Berg and John Mann. And that's a book really about a lot of the stuff we've been talking about today. It's just kind of putting other people's interests first instead mm -hmm. of yourself. That's a great one. And then Another one that kind of touches on relationships, which I think is so extremely important in leadership, in the field of education, everything really surrounds around relationships. So there's a book called Boundaries mm -hmm. by Henry Cloud, mm -hmm. and it's just a great read. It's a little bit of a longer book, but it just really encourages people to put up healthy boundaries. You know, when you use some of the terms that we've used in this discussion about servant leadership and serving people, being vulnerable and being open. You also need to have boundaries because people can take advantage of that and people can sometimes even see that as a little bit of a weakness. So a lot of the types of leadership that are in these books, like the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, are sometimes different than what a lot of people are doing. So mm -hmm. Henry Cloud's book talks a lot about that. I actually had the opportunity to meet him about two years ago. He was promoting another one of his books and it was a great experience. Cool. Did you get to ask him any questions? I didn't. I just asked him, can you please sign uh, your <laughs> book and can we take a picture? Yay. You said something that hit home. You know, you read something in here that's not typical and it may even be counterintuitive, right? The things I've read about trust or, you know, stepping into trust. Some of those things are counterintuitive, but we need to trust. Just test it. Because not everything that's good for us is intuitive. It'll open our minds and it'll help us to move from being stuck. So I really love that. 
good. I like that. Okay. So, John, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do you yes. do on a daily basis to set your mind? I prepare a lot. Football player Russell Wilson, he's made the statement, the separation is in the preparation. I really love that. I try to plan a lot at night. I plan for the day ahead. You know, I'm flexible. I know that things aren't going to go exactly as I plan, but I write a lot of things down. If a thought or idea comes to me, I write it down so I can try to do that on the next day. And then when I wake up, you might laugh at this, but I actually eat frogs. Not, no, I'm just kidding. Not literally, <laughs> but um, there's a book. I was going to say, called, what? Yeah. So there's a book. It's called Eat That Frog. I think it's Brian Tracy is the author. And he's basically saying, do your most difficult tasks first thing in the morning, and then your day will get a little bit not necessarily easier, but you know, you'll be able to focus on your smaller tasks as the day goes along. So if you right. eat a frog, that would be really disgusting and terrible. But you know, then after that, everything doesn't seem as bad almost. You know, so my frogs, I guess, would be morning reading. I don't read for an hour in the morning, but I wake up really early. I do some reading. I wake up about five and I'll read a little bit. Prayer time is really important to me. I'll spend some time praying. Then I exercise. So mm -hmm. I'll either go to the gym or I'll run a couple of miles and to be honest, by the time I'm heading to work, I feel so productive and my mind is so focused on work because I've already done a couple of really important things to me and it's just a great feeling. And then, you know, again, during the school day, during the work day, there are tasks that are very difficult and a lot of difficult things to handle. But because I've already planned for the day and because I've already accomplished some things, I don't feel as much stress. I don't feel so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's the importance of setting your mind. You put things in perspective. A lot of leaders don't get enough sleep and it's difficult to maintain balance. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give us about that? Kind of like I spoke before about the boundaries. I really think you have to have healthy boundaries. Prioritizing what's really important to you is essential. And I think just being 100% present wherever you are. So what I mean by that is when you're at work, you're 100% there. When you're at home, you're 100% with your family. When you're relaxing, you're giving it 100% or 0% <laughs> the way you look at it. But I think that's a start. And then the other part of it is I think contentment is so important. It's kind of a term that I don't think a lot of people use, but there's a big difference between happiness and contentment. Happiness is a temporary emotion, but contentment stays with you. So it's great to strive for greatness and be ambitious and stay at work, you know, late and get there early and do all that. But you have to know when to be content because you'll drive yourself crazy if you don't find some contentment in what you're doing and realize that, hey, I need to take a step back or I need to have more balance in this area. So mm -hmm. just being present where you are and focusing on, you know, what's important to you and where you can be content is important. Mm. You've spoken about deep issues. I mean, contentment is a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, and I'm learning to be present 100%. I mean, all those beautiful things you've talked about requires practice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, when I say these things, I'm not saying I've mastered them all. They're things that I'm striving to do, They're things I'm striving for. And I'm grateful that I have kind of have some type of goal, something that I'm aiming for. When I say contentment, I don't always have full contentment. But mm -hmm. I love the fact that that one word means so much to me because it really can put you at ease. 
contentment means that you accept what you're going through at that moment. Some things we can't change and we accept it and we sit with it and we're okay with it and we grow with it. So it does require a lot of practice and having people speak into our lives. And I imagine that your wife does that for you, right? So people that are close to you. So thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that, John. John, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? I mean, what would you have been five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, stay observant. Listen, I would say be genuine, you know, be a real and vulnerable person, but keep those boundaries that I spoke about a couple of times. And I would tell the younger me, you can never go wrong with doing the kind and loving thing before you make a difficult decision. Just kind of ask yourself, you know, is this what's best for the student? Is this what's best for the person I'm dealing with? And of course, you have to, you know, look at yourself and say, hey, is this best for me? Is this the kind and loving thing, you know, for really all the constituents, all the people involved? And I think that's kind of a good question to yourself is just, is this kind? Is this loving? Is this what's best? Because that can put you at peace. Because I remember when I was younger, a lot of times I would be very indecisive and I would kind of think and think and think. And looking back, just focus on that one question. You don't have to analyze every little component of what you're approaching or what you're trying to do. But just think, is this really best and kind and, and loving? I love also that you mentioned that it's okay to ask, is this best for me? You know, when we're focused on being a servant leader, we think that we have to take care of the world and we don't take care of us. But if we don't take care of us, there's nothing left to take care of everyone else. So I really love that. Sure. Now, John, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't spoken about? Yes, just overall, something that I hear a lot is people kind of discouraged about getting into teaching and working in schools and stuff like that. And I feel the total opposite. I just want to share with people that the field of education is such an awesome field. It's certainly not easy. I don't think in a school district there's any easy position from a superintendent to a classroom teacher or a lunchroom monitor or a custodian. Every job is challenging. But mm -hmm. You know, teaching, leading, working in a school, it's so rewarding. This career is so unique. You have the opportunity, in most cases, to go to a really positive place where kids and young adults are learning and growing. And I would just say to people, just enjoy your time in a school and keep a good attitude because so many of your experiences are really based on your attitude. We know things are going to go wrong. We know you're not always going to be able to stick to the lesson plan and, you know, things are going to get messy. But your thoughts and your attitude could really have a, a strong influence on how things play out. So I would just say be grateful and just enjoy this field because it's an amazing one. Right. And I wholeheartedly agree with you because it's so important who we influence, because the future is so important, because what we do is so important. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're having these conversations. And I really want to thank you, John, for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. Thank you, Lily. I, I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm very grateful to be here. I'm just thankful for you. You do outstanding work. and um, I'm getting better, John. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. Yes. Thanks so much, John. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. And although it's been around for centuries, coaching to develop effective leadership skills is fairly new to education and grossly underutilized. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck 
to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.